Hi everyone, and welcome to HubShots episode 291. We learn from our HubSpot mistakes using emojis, calculated fields, and conversation forwarding. So Craig, let's dive into it. So let's talk about our growth thought of the week, challenging your norms. Here's what I want to think about. The way that we approach things like we've always done them, it's a bit of a trap. We know we talk about this. Oh, why do you do this report? Oh, we've always done it that way. We always know those examples. I found myself falling into one of those traps recently. I just thought I'd share it just as a reminder. We need to be constantly challenging ourselves. So how did it come about? Well, the HubShots show notes are essentially a RSS feed. We post them as a blog post on the HubShot site. We have an automated blog email that goes out every Friday. So you just sign up for that and you receive it. Now, the problem with that is you don't, with, and in fact, with just the blog emails in general, is you don't have much control over the formatting. And so we're working with Erica, one of our designers, and we're like, oh, how can we improve the look of this? I want to improve the experience of show notes for people that subscribe because we put a lot of work into them. How do we make them look great? And so then I basically guided the entire team down this path, which turned into be a trap. I was like, look, they're very limited, the blog emails, and so you can only do this. So you'll have to try and do this and just put this at the footer and do that, right? I've assumed we have to keep with this blog email. And of course, then someone in the team says, hang on, why are we doing a blog email? Let's just change it to a normal, regular email. I'm like, oh, no, well, that would be extra work. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, of course. So actually from this episode on, we've changed to a regular email. It's more work for the team putting that together, but it's going to be a much better experience for our readers who receive it. And so why am I highlighting this? Well, this is just an, just a small example of how I fell into that trap. Well, that's the way we've always done it. And we went through this kind of, you know, the six whys. Why, why do you do it? Why, why, why? Why did we do it like that? Well, we didn't have many subscribers then. Oh, okay, so why did it? Well, it was the simplest way. Oh, so why? Well, we just wanted to quickly try it and see. come forward a couple of years when we've got a lot more subscribers, people getting it every week. And it's like, well, the calculus has changed. Now it's like, well, we want to provide the best experience, even though it requires extra work. It's worth it from our side. So that's the trap I fell into. And I guess I kind of fell off. It's like, well, duh, I shouldn't have. Reminded to me, maybe a reminder to listeners of time to reevaluate some of those processes that you've done for a long time. The circumstances, the outcomes, the value that you're providing with them might have changed. We're going to pick up on this actually later in the show when I talk about confirmation biases as well. So anyway, there you go. All right, on to some quick shots of the week. And did you know that you can create lists directly in the list folder you are viewing? So that's really good. You can also be testing contacts in lists and it's now even smarter because it actually shows you which part of the, which criteria it doesn't meet or it does meet, which is fantastic. And you can add line items to deals when creating a deal in a workflow. So this is really handy and it's something we've been waiting for for a little while. So it's really good that that is now available. Hey, can I just say on that testing contacts, I didn't even know that was there. I didn't know you could test contacts and apparently it's been there for ages. I mean, the bit that they've added now is just that it shows you Correct. in the criteria. Highlights and it's like, well, there you go. How long have I been using this, Ian? Still didn't know. Anyway. And you know what? There are these little, little things that are in the system that we just don't realize, Craig. And it's a good reminder to all of us 
that uh, there are these little things that can save us a lot of time and effort when trying to get to an end result. I saw a good comment from someone on one of our YouTube episodes where we're talking about scenarios with association labels. They left a comment saying, oh, yeah, here's what I do. I was like, oh, yeah, that's another great idea. So listeners, viewers, would love your comments. Please leave a comment with your uh, experiences as well. Next one, let's talk about a HubSpot Marketing Feature Week is using emojis in properties, Craig. Now, I was using emojis on uh, deal stages and ticket pipelines, but in a property, that's a, that's a new one. Look, this is not a new idea. Uh, I've seen it before, but I will say I pinched this from Stuart and actually Kyle Jepson a bit on LinkedIn. I'm very rarely on LinkedIn. I actually went in the other day and then I saw this. I actually got some, I actually got some value from LinkedIn, Ian. <laughs> you know, I'm always bagging out social. It was actually good. So I had tipped to Stuart for this and I've linked to his post on it. I think he works at Arrow or a product. Anyway, very focused on workflows. He used emojis in workflows. Anyway, I've pinched the idea from him or, or maybe others. Sorry if I haven't given credit to the right people, uh, but look, it, it just benefit from this. It's a great idea. So look, here's an example of using emojis in a property. This is a drop down, and then you can see there we've just got some emojis. You can grab them from getemoji.com and then you can use them in views. Here's an example in the screenshot in the show notes of using them in views. And then the question, of course, is, well, can you filter on them. Yes, you can. So you can filter on those because that's something I was always like, how do you actually, you know, compare and use them and try? HubSpot takes care of all of that for you. So just a nice little tip there. If you can use it, you can probably think of lots of ideas. We have clients that are very keen on setting up RAG, uh, the red, amber, green dashboards. And so this is a way that that can be enabled. So yeah, use it. And yeah, nice one. Have you ever used any of these in properties, Ian? Or oh, you said you'd use them in deal stages. Correct. But not actually not in properties. Not in the properties. Yeah. So this is nice and visual and so I like it. I think I'm going to go implement a few. Yeah, nice. All right, our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig, and using calculation fields to calculate commissions. Now, why are we calculating commissions? Yeah, so this won't apply to everyone. I know some sales teams, they, their commission calculations are very complex, so this won't work for you. But if you've got quite simple calculations on commissions, e.g. just a percentage of total value or a recurring value or something like that, you can use them. I've got an example here from our portal where you can just create a calculation property and then you can give it some very simple calculations here, You know, a setup component that might get part of that and then uh, part of recurring revenue or, or things like that. The thing I will say, and this is kind of frustrating, the conditions that are applied, you can only apply one condition. For example, here, I've just put deal stage. I actually wanted to create calculated fields based on a whole bunch of parameters, like, oh, the deal stage is closed one, and it was this kind of deal, and it was you know a number of criteria. Once you can't do that at the moment, so what you'll find you end up doing is creating a whole bunch of different calculated properties, each with their own single condition, and then another calculated property that adds them up. The other caveat or the gotcha is that any of these fields, so if we look at the one I've got on screen here, I've got setup component and a recurring revenue amount, and they're multiplied by just a, a fraction. Now, if either of those numbers, setup component or the amount, are not known, this will not calculate. Gotcha. So it needs to be known. And so quite what you'll probably find you do is you set them to zero almost as a standard piece. Maybe you're setting up a deal, you set these to zero. 
because by default they'll be unknown and the calculation won't work. But this is a big time saver. We, we actually have a bunch of enterprise clients who have very simple commission calculations. It's normally just one times something, you know, X times a certain number. And they're, they're exporting out deals to spreadsheets and all kinds of things and re-importing and all. It's like, bang, just put this in HubSpot as some fields. Further benefits of this is you can see the audit history you know, because people sometimes they change values and then the commission changes. You can see a full history of it as well. So a bit of a time saver. I know that'll be for some sales teams. They'll love it. But if you have, uh, as I said at the start, if you've got complex rules, might not be a fit. Anyway, your mileage may vary. All right, on to HubSpot Sales Feature of the Week. And this is about choosing an original sender of email forwards. So it's a little setting that you can toggle on that will choose the original sender of the email forwards. Now, really good if you are, let's say you're getting an email and you're forwarding it on into an inbox and you obviously don't want yourself to be set. So this will create the ticket with the original sender. Yes, exactly right. And just a quick note about this, you do it on a per channel basis. So people often go into ticket settings saying, oh, surely this is in the ticket pipeline settings. No, it's in the inbox, conversation inbox setting, and it's per channel. So in this case, a, a um, team email inbox channel. All right. Now talking about the HubSpot workflow gotch of the week, listeners, and learning from our mistakes. And here is something to be aware of. Yeah, so we've, well, this particular one wasn't our mistake, but we've all been there. We <laughs> certainly have. We've all done this at some point, I think. But here's the scenario. You're working on a, a workflow and you change the entry criteria, but you haven't turned the workflow off. So the workflow is still live and then you change the trigger entry criteria. It'll pop up with something like this. Do you want to enroll existing client uh, contacts or not? And so you look at this, this is actually a little bit confusing. I I think HubSpot's normally very good and intuitive at the way it guides you. But here, you could be forgiven for kind of glancing at it and going, oh, right, Uh, okay, I'll save and enroll existing clients, contacts rather, save and enroll existing contacts because it's the big bright orange one. Yeah, that's probably what I want. Actually, it's probably what you don't want because if that workflow is live, you change it and suddenly there might be a ton of contacts, historical contacts that meet this criteria and are suddenly enrolled. And this is exactly what happened with uh, one of our clients uh, last week. Someone that was new to HubSpot, they went in, they changed a workflow and they got this and I can't blame them. They clicked the big orange button and bang, suddenly a couple of thousand contacts from even from years ago were getting emails plus a whole bunch of notifications to sales reps and things like that. So it's a bit of a gotcha because not only I think the button's a little bit non-intuitive, but that number, contacts that meet the new criteria, is often wrong. We've had this where it shows zero. And in fact, I've actually demonstrated this. I've got a video where I recorded this and I actually showed it going through and saying there are zero contacts that would meet the criteria and yet when I actually did a list, no, there were actually thousands. So it's a gotcha. And so how do we get around it? Well, here's what you've got to do. You've essentially got to always turn the workflow off. This is a rule we have at Zen and for any clients we work with. If we're going to make any change to a workflow, we turn the workflow off. 
and that's especially trigger criteria. I mean, we actually turn it off for most other changes unless it was something really minor. But any time there's entry criteria, we turn the workflow off, we make the changes, and we actually ask a colleague just to check it. I've been using HubSpot for many, many years, and I, I always get someone to check it because there is something I missed and I've been caught where a colleague said, oh, hang on, what about this? I'm like, oh, yep, I missed it because I was too in the weeds. And then we review, and then when HubSpot goes through, it'll show us a screen like this where it shows you how many impacted contacts will be. We then actually go and look at them all in a list to make sure because often that number's not accurate. And that's our process. So summary, if you're going to work on a workflow, especially the entry criteria, turn it off first, make your changes, get someone else to review it. And then when you go and review and turn it on, make sure you check the list of contacts and don't end up with in a massive cold sweat. We got a call from the client. Oh man, they were freaking out. Poor person. But um, here's the funny thing. Often when those things go through, Ian, um, they send out the apology email later. Sorry yes. to all those contacts. Sorry about that. And they often get better engagement from the apology email than they did from anything in the workplace. So not that I'm suggesting that should be a goal, but yeah, that's what happens. You've had this, Ian, I'm sure. We sure have, Craig. I oh, know I've done it. I oh, know it's a terrible feeling. Anyway. All right, on to our inside of the week, Craig. Beware of your own confirmation bias. And this is to do with some of the unsubscription activity you tried last time, Craig. Yeah. You know there's a place for doing to others as you'd have them do to you? Correct. There is a place for that, but there's also a place that doesn't fit, and that's when you have your own biases. So I've got my own views on how things should work, and I then fall in the trap going, well, I think that's how I would like to be treated. That's how we should treat others. And so here's an example. This goes into the unsubscribe thing that we were chatting about last episode, and I'll talk a little bit more about it later. So this this is Christopher Penn's uh, newsletter, fantastic analytics uh, newsletter. He's got this big thing, big image where he says, look, if you don't want to get it anymore, just click here to unsubscribe. I love this. And in fact, I've been doing this for years. Here's an example. And if you get the screenshots uh, in the show notes, yeah, we used to just put it here. Unsubscribe me. I never wanted unsubscribe to be a barrier. Because, you know, you get those emails, people have hidden it right down the bottom, really tiny font, or they've changed the color so you can't be. I'm like, why? Just let me unsubscribe. So that's been my approach. Let people easily unsubscribe. Now, if you were listening last episode, you'll know that backfired on us because we actually made this really clear in some re-engagement campaigns. But here's the comment before we get on to that. I have some personal biases on the way I'd like to be treated and what I think is useful. So I hate pop-ups. And so we don't use them on our site and I don't recommend them to clients. I'm talking about pop-ups as opposed to slide-ins. I do like slide-ins, but I don't like pop-ups. Now, I avoid using them, but industry data suggests otherwise, that they're very effective. So then I'm going to like, well, hang on, what's the best thing for our clients? Are they focused on the user experience the visitor gets or are they just after results? I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying my preference. And there's a few others. You know, I don't like Facebook. I don't like LinkedIn. I don't like all these things. Now, if we just did things because I thought that was the best way to do things for myself, if we did that for others, we'd be out of business, Ian. So this whole point, you've got to take a step back. And I guess I'm talking to sales managers and marketing managers here. It's like, got to get out of your own head. And I, I, part of the problem is as I get older, I get more stuck in my ways. And I'm increasingly trying to remind myself, don't get stuck in your ways. Take a step back. And thankfully, you know what the solution is for this? I've got a great team. 
That's right. Great bunch of colleagues that set me straight and um, talk sense into me at times. I don't know. Can can you can you relate to that, Ian? I sure can, Craig. So, I think your takeaway is being mindful of your own biases, right? That's right. Just don't take clients down a path based on my own biases about the way things should be. All right. You've got a good listener question here. And so this question is, efficiency of process is our key thing and limiting opportunity for error. We need a sequence for personal one-on-one sales, but can we use SMS messaging in a workflow and then have it trigger a sequence if certain criteria are met? Or does the sequence need to be a manual enrollment? So the answer here is, if you have a sales enterprise, you can trigger a sequence from a workflow and that could be after an SMS per se. There's a little example where you can do that. Now, obviously, note, if you're going to trigger an SMS of a workflow, it is not going to be personalized down to the level of personalization that you would if someone was looking at it before they actually enabled it and scheduled it for sending. But it does give you the opportunity in this instance to trigger a sequence from a workflow. So definitely possible, but you need to have a sales enterprise. All right, what's our thought of the week, Craig? Re-engagement campaigns. So coming back to our re-engagement campaigns we spoke an episode ago and getting people to unsubscribe or re-engage and to keep the list clean. Last episode, I talked about how we'd managed to get a bunch of client accounts suspended for sending a re-engagement campaign. So dear listener, this is about learning from our mistakes and Even what I've said earlier about unsubscribe. So I feel, and this is what I said last episode, I feel that unsubscribe, getting someone to unsubscribe is a good thing. As opposed to being marked as spam, which is a bad thing, or at bouncing, which means your list is probably old, I think they're bad. But I think unsubscribe is a good thing. There's nuance to that. I know MailChimp, they say when you unsubscribe, you can say why. And you might say, I never signed up for this list. Okay, great. That that, that is a bad thing. I, I get that. But in general, I feel that unsubscribing is a good thing. In fact, I've got a little table here. Spam is bad, hard bounce is bad, unsubscribe is good. That was my thinking. However, the correct thinking is spam is bad, hard bounce is bad, unsubscribe is bad, according to HubSpot. And so the way we got into this was we did a re-engagement campaign and it went out and it basically said, look, do you want to hear from us anymore? No, here's a big fat unsubscribe button, unsubscribe now. And a bunch of people got that and they unsubscribed. Not a single spam complaint. They unsubscribed and they were like, I thought that was fantastic. No, it's not. Went over, tripped a threshold in HubSpot and those accounts were suspended. Uh, I said last time I'd give you an update on what happened. Thankfully, HubSpot unsuspended them very quickly. We just explained why, what, and they were like, okay, no worries. Unsuspended, so they were very good. However, we said, well, what should we do? And so they've guided us into some better ways to do that. So... They're not against a re-engagement campaign, but they're against using an unsubscribe button as the call to action. So they just suggested two things, and we've also linked to some community threads on this. They felt, or they recommend two things. One, a confirm your interest. So rather than, oh, do you want unsubscribed? It's, oh, do you want to confirm your interest? That's one thing. Or the second one, which is the way we're probably going to go, is we're going to have a button that says, I want to unsubscribe but then it'll go and it'll trigger a work. So it'll be a normal button. It'll trigger a workflow that we in the workflow then go through and unsubscribe people. 
for them. So it won't be them directly unsubscribing and therefore against a workflow. So I wanted to explain those two. I wanted to say learn from our mistakes. And in this one, I wanted to add some comments because I think the first one, confirm your interest. Sure, that would be ideal. But I just, I just don't think that's how people work behaviorally. There's tons of emails I get that ask me to reconfirm and I just ignore them. That's extra effort for me. I've got to click something and do that. I don't, but I'm actually happy to get the emails. I don't want to unsubscribe. And so I feel that first option wouldn't work in the best interests of our clients or most people. That's my feeling. So I think the second one, an unsubscribe me intent button is probably the better way to go. You want to unsubscribe, click a button. It's just a CTA, goes through and then workflow will clean them up. Anyway, that's how I'm thinking about it. That's the update from last episode, our learnings around it. And thanks to HubSpot support and a bunch of people on the HubSpot community forums uh, that gave great feedback uh, on this. So, yeah. Craig, I have a question. So, the fact that the person doesn't unsubscribe, but you then manually or automatically unsubscribe using a workflow, even though the numbers might be the same, is that seen differently? I think that's seen differently because it's not counted against the email. Oh, okay, because that's the actions my outside of the email. Mm, okay. That's my understanding. Now, to be fair, I actually haven't tested this yep. yet. This is only in the last couple of days. We're getting this feedback and putting it into, but yeah, that's what we're going to test, yeah. That's interesting. The change is in HubSpot, you're doing a change of subscription yep. uh, as opposed to a, uh, unsubscribe opt-out. You know, that workflow yes, action correct. change subscription yep. setting. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. By the way, Constantly learning. <laughs> I know I said, do you remember when I said at the start of the year, I changed my LinkedIn bio to from all this scuff about yes. I do blah, blah, blah. I changed it to I am always willing to okay. learn. And I stopped getting <laughs> spam from everyone trying to chase me up for stuff. They're like, oh, no, we don't want to talk to that person. Anyway, I'm always willing to learn. And I think some people thought I was a bit of a turkey for you know falling into the trap last week. And that's probably the case. But uh, always live and learn and share our learnings. So there we go. All right. What's our quote of the week, Craig? Do you follow Tim Urban, Wait But Why? I think Sign so. It. Yeah, it's great. I saw this tweet while Twitter's finally up. By the way, as we record this, listeners, I'll just give you, if you're listening back to this a year or two from now, as we record this, we've just had Twitter implode with Elon Musk taking it over. And we've also had the FTX crypto scandal happen last week. Just to set that, if you're looking... Watching this years from now, this is, anyway, this was on Twitter, important life skill. This is what Tim Urban said, recognizing the difference between criticism from people who don't care about you and don't root for you and criticism from those who do. That's a life skill. First is best ignored. The second warrants attention and reflection. So I thought that was a good reminder uh, I saw a good post from Moby the other day when he was saying, you know, he puts stuff out there and he gets criticism. Uh, but if they're not rooting for you in the first place, then the criticism, you, you've got to wonder whether it's actually valid. Whereas if they're your friends or close circle and they've got your interested heart and they give you criticism and feedback, then yeah, pay attention to that. So I thought that was useful advice. All right. Training of the week, HubSpot email marketing certification, Craig. Kind of are are you taking that? To go that again. <laughs> yes. Actually, it would be interesting to see whether that's addressed in that certification. All right. Tell us, Craig, who is good for a HubSpot quick check? Well, who do you think, Ian? What's your thoughts on the, on the quick check? Well, where we've been getting traction with quick check is people who are actually coming up for renewal. 
That's being one. Mm. People who have actually taken portals over. So they've inherited a portal from somebody. They're new to the business. They don't know what's happened. They just want to get an idea of where they are at the current standing. And so this is a really good place to start. It's a 90-minute Zoom with Craig and myself. And we go through your HubSpot portal and give you an idea of where things are at and what um, what are the things that you can do to take it to the next step. So it's a very practical session where you can walk away and actually do things and make a difference in your HubSpot portal. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed that. Please subscribe to this channel. If you're listening on uh, on the podcast, please leave us a review. I had a nice uh, one of our customers, Craig, the other day say they were one of the first to leave us a review on Spotify, I believe. So I'm going to go find that and have a look. So thank you to everyone who A, has subscribed to the show notes, B, has subscribed to the YouTube channel, and C, receives our show notes. We really do appreciate you and everything that you guys do. Well, until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.